Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting life. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Father, we just thank you for the power of your word, the authenticity of your word. We just ask that you take complete control and let your word do what you have purposed it should do. What you have told us in, in your word that it will do. It will break yokes, it will lift burdens, it will bring illumination, it will lighten up, it will be a light onto our path, uh, it will challenge us, inspire us, uh, motivate us, uh, it will be a terror to the kingdom of darkness, it will bring truth that sets us free, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. And I say amen, even as you say amen in your homes. Uh, today I'm starting a series that will go on for a while. Um, the entire series is titled The Journey to God's Promises. But today's message, uh, the title for today's message is Taking Out <coughs> to be Taken In. Taking Out to be Taken In. For 430 years, God's chosen people, uh, the nation of Israel, uh, after having come to Egypt at the invitation of Joseph uh, and having enjoyed a time of prosperity uh, where they were put in their own part of the land and, and God showed them favor as a result of the favor that Joseph had. But as the Bible tells us, a Pharaoh came to the throne who didn't know Joseph after Joseph had died. And when the Pharaohs saw how the children of Israel were prospering uh, and how they were multiplying in numbers, uh, him and his leadership uh, panicked that these people would soon overtake them and soon take over the country. And so they decided to put the people of Israel, God's chosen, God's elect, God's special nation, uh, into servitude. And so they went into servitude for 430 years. They were second-class citizens. They were in bondage. They were uh, slaves. Uh, they were used to build uh, Pharaoh's cities and really used to drive the economy, excuse me, of Egypt. But then in those 430 years, they would cry out to God, the God of their ancestors, the God of their father, Abraham, and then eventually, according to God's timetable, it was time to deliver them. God heard their cry. And then God had chosen a man called Moses to be their deliverer, to be the one that would lead them out of captivity. And the Bible records God's conversation with Moses in Exodus, the third chapter, verses 7 to 10. And this is what the Bible said. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them 
up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hevites and the Jebusites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, one of the things I love about the Bible is how, in a lot of ways, the Old Testament is a type and a shadow, uh, and I've said this quite a number of times, of uh, the, the fulfillment of God's word in the life of his people. And you look through the Old Testament, it's telling you in very clear terms how God dealt with his people, how God will deal with us. Oftentimes the journey of the children of Israel parallels in a lot of ways our own journey. And so here was God's chosen, God's elect, uh, a nation that God had chosen in a natural sense. God had chosen them to be his special nation, his special people. But then they were in bondage. They were held captive. They were in servitude. Uh, they were not free, uh, yet they were God's chosen. And they were in that captivity for 430 years. They were held in captivity by Pharaoh, who was perceived by his people, seen by his people as a god, a deity, and he held them in captivity. Now, the parallel is very clear to see. Uh, we are God's chosen. God had a plan for you and I. The Bible talks about our being predestinated. God, God from before we were created, as he, as he said to Jeremiah in the first chapter, uh, of, of Jeremiah 1 verse 5, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you, uh, I ordained you, uh, I called you uh, to be a prophet. God, before we were formed. But then we, have, we were formed in iniquity and born in iniquity and we were born into servitude to our own Pharaoh, Satan. He held us in our own Egypt, the world held bound, held captive, held as slaves to sin, uh, doing the behest of our master then. But then God had a plan for delivering us in the same way that he had a plan for delivering the children of Israel. He had said they would be there for 430 years in that captivity and true to his word, 430 years later, they were delivered in a mighty way from the hand of Pharaoh and from the servitude and the slavery that they were in in Egypt. He had promised before time that we also would be delivered uh, from the hand of Satan and from the servitude and slavery to sin. And that's exactly what happened. At the appointed time, his son Jesus was born. His son Jesus eventually died at the cross and rose again. And you and I were, were delivered. So it's a very, very similar story. So the children of Israel, God said to Moses, this was his stated intention to them. He says, I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians 
and to bring them to a good and large, large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. And this is where I get the title for this message today. God said to them through Moses, and Moses was a type of our own deliverer. Remember, it's types and shadows. And we're going to learn a lot on this journey from types and shadows. Moses said to them, Moses was the, their own deliverer. Our own deliverer was Jesus Christ. And God said to that their deliverer, my stated intention is that I am going to deliver them from the hand of Pharaoh, from Egypt, from slavery. But I am going to take them out because I want to take them into a land. And it's not just any land. It's a good and spacious land. It's a land that is flowing with milk and honey. Now, stay with me. Now, our own time comes. Theirs was natural. It was a natural land that looked good, that was flowing with milk and honey. It was spacious and large. But our time comes and our own deliverer is sent. He is the son of God. He dies on the cross, takes our place, pays the price, pays the ransom so that you and I can be free from the grip of our own Pharaoh, Satan, and delivered from our own Egypt, the world. But then like the children of Israel, God had a stated intention. It wasn't just to deliver us so that we can find what to do. No, he took us out of our own Egypt, took us from the grip of our own Pharaoh, Satan, so that he could take us in. And that is really the journey we are going on. We were taken out to be taken in. They were taken into land that was physical. We are taken into land too, but the land that we're taken into are the promises that God has given us in the Bible. We are delivered from Satan to be taken into God's promises. The land that was physical to them for us is synonymous with God's promises. The, the, the Bible paints a picture concerning them that the land was good and large. It was the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, the Jebusites. And you know, in Joshua, the first chapter and the fourth verse, the Bible paints an, an, an even more, paints a, adds to the picture that it has painted about this land. It says concerning the land, it's from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, Joshua 1 verse 4, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. That is the land. The picture is clear. This is spacious. This is a good land. This is a wonderful place to dwell. It is full of lush vegetation. The, 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 the ground is fertile. There's enough space for us. For, for, for them, that was a physical land. But for us, it is God has taken us out to take us into his promises. It is God's intention that you and I should walk into all the promises that he has for us. And that's why we are going on this journey, the journey into God's promises. 
You know, they say that there are 5,467 5, promises in the Bible. One account says so. I think it was Bible Gateway where I found that. 5,467 promises in the Bible. God's plan is that you should walk into, possess each one of those promises. As they possess the land that they walked on, we possess the promises that we believe in by faith. Uh, they had to physically walk on the land to possess it. We, by faith, because we are, we are the culmination of what God started then. We are his chosen. We are his elect. We are his children. He is our father. This is his gift to you and I. These 5,467 promises that he has made for us. And my prayer is that you will walk into every promise that God has made for you as you go along with us on this journey. You must never forget that you were taken out to be taken in. You were delivered to be taken into your own spacious and large land, a land flowing with milk and honey. You see, the promises of God reveal his particular char his character and his particular purpose for which, which he has for you and I. It is unchangeable. He is committed to it. That is why it is enshrined as his word. God cannot give a word and not bring that word to pass. These are his promises. Now, the same way he said to the children of Israel, I'm taking you into this land, I've given you this land, they had to step on the land, is the same way that we also have to believe by faith the promises of God. And you know, if you think about types and shadows, the children of Israel were resisted every step of the way into what God had said, I have given to you, this land flowing with milk and honey. But they were resisted by hostile tribes. I will look at some of them as we go on this journey. We'll be making certain significant stops on this journey. Every step of the way, the, the Amalekites, the Hevites, the Jebusites, the Hittites, the rest of those tribes were resisting them. Now, we don't fight physical tribes. We fight spiritual tribes. And Paul in Ephesians 6 verse 12 highlights for us the various spiritual tribes that we fight. Their intention is the same as the physical tribes. We must stop the nation of Israel, the Jews, the children of God, from entering what God has promised them, this spacious land. It is no different with the spiritual tribes. Uh, Paul highlights them, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places in, in Ephesians 6 verse 12. This organized hierarchy under Satan, the same way that these hostile tribes were under various hostile kings and, and, and eventually under Satan. Now, we face tribes as well that want to stop us from entering God's promises. And they will do anything to stop us from entering God's promises. Because they know that God has these promises for us and all we have to do is step on them in inverted commas. And how do we step on them? We believe and receive them by faith. And so let's be encouraged as we go on this journey. It's going to be a very exci exciting journey. Let's be encouraged be because it is God who has made these promises. God made the promise to them that 
I am giving you a land that is spacious and large, a land flowing with milk and honey. God has made the same promise to us. And you know what? I'll tell you a few things that should encourage you about this journey because God has made these promises. Number one, he will do what he says he will do. Um, the Bible says that very clearly. Numbers 23 verse 19. And I want you to understand this. God will do what he says he will do. Numbers 23 verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. One translation says he should change his mind. Has he said it and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? God will do what he says he will do. He told them, I'm giving you a land that is flowing with milk and honey. They eventually arrived at that land and it was exactly as God had said, as we will see on this journey. He has made certain promises to you. If we, if we follow the account that I just gave you, 5,467 of them, he will bring every one of them to pass in your life according to his timetable. The second thing to note that should excite you about this journey is God's faithfulness. God is faithful. Now listen to the testimony of the children of Israel. And please, this should encourage someone. Joshua, the 21st chapter and the 45th verse. Joshua 21, uh, chapter 21, verse 45. Not a single one of all the good promises the Lord has given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. Did you hear that? Not a single one of all the promises he gave to the house of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. I pray that will be your testimony. That every promise he has made concerning you at the end of it all, that the testimony concerning you will be that not a single one of those promises that he had given to you, you given to your family, given to the church, given to this nation. Not a single one was left unfulfilled. Everything he spoke that you received by faith came true. That will be your testimony. The third thing is that, and this should also encourage us on this journey. You know, if someone makes a promise, a significant part of whether you believe that promise or not, is whether the person has the capacity, the capability to bring the promise to pass. Well, concerning God, he has all it takes to fulfill his promises. Yeah, he's good for his word. You can take it to the bank. Uh, that's what the whole Bible tells us. Isaiah 55 verse 11. God says, it is the same with my word. I send it out. And it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to. And it will prosper everywhere I send it. So where are God's promises? They are enshrined in his word. God says that word, once I've sent it out, it has to bear fruit. It cannot be barren. It cannot go and be fruitless. God says, I sent the word out, the creator of the ends of the earth. All power belongs to me. I send the word, the word does what I want it to do. He goes on to say, it accomplishes all I want it to and it prospers everywhere I send it. May every word 
that God has sent to you. Words concerning your healing, words concerning your deliverance, words concerning your protection. Every word that the Spirit of God has put his breath upon in the book we call the Bible and that has come alive in particular relating to you. May every word fulfill this word. May it accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. And may it bring glory to God as it prospers everywhere it is sent. And the fourth thing is that God doesn't change. You see, that's the beauty of it. We're not dealing with a changing God. The Bible says it's the same yesterday, today and forever. The God who made the promises to the nation of Israel and fulfilled them is still the same God that we serve in the 21st century. He has not changed. God does not become modern. You know, God does not move with technology and change because technology, technology is changing. God is the same. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. And we are encouraged in that because then his promises are not subject to change. In James 1 verse 17, the Bible says this, Every gift God freely gives us is, a good, is good and perfect, streaming down from the Father of lights, who shines from the heavens with no hidden shadow or darkness and is never subject to change. His promises are not subject to change. He doesn't change. He is as stable as stable is, as constant as the northern star. And the fifth thing that I want us to to bear in mind as we go on this journey, is that his son Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all God's promises. Every promise in God or that God has given us is wrapped up in the son, his son Jesus Christ. We get his son Jesus Christ, then we become joint heirs with him. We get the totality of the inheritance that God has for his son Jesus Christ into our life. The more we yield to him, the more we submit to him, the more we become more Christ-like. The more we, in a sense, step on, in inverted commas, those promises that God has for us. We get Jesus, we get everything. The Bible says this in 2 Peter, 2 Peter, the first chapter and the third verse. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Everything we need has been given in Christ to us for living a godly life by his divine power. We have received all of this by coming to know him, that's Jesus Christ, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. You know what? In Jesus Christ, we get everything. Everything that we need for living a godly life has been wrapped up in Jesus and presented to us as a gift. If we open up our hearts and receive Jesus and we continue to walk with him, we will eventually arrive at the point the children of Israel arrived at where our testimony will be that we have received all the promises. We have entered all the promises that God has for us. The question that I have to ask as I come to an end, have you received the gift that Jesus is? Because you see, we can run around from pillar to post looking for all kinds of things. We end up in a lot of frustration. We toil a lot. 
we encounter difficulties and challenges that we have no way in our own strength of overcoming and or dealing with. It always reminds me of the story of the disciples who crossed the lake in a boat and faced a storm as they are tend to as the tent tends to be in life. But what was their saving grace? It was that Jesus was in that boat. He was asleep in that boat, and that's significant. Because he controls everything. He knew that as long as they were with him, they were not going down. If you have Jesus with you, it is impossible for you to go down. It is impossible. It is too late for that. The final enemy death he has conquered. So it is impossible for you to go down. Embrace Jesus and you simply can't go down. And so I wanted to end by asking that question. Do you have Jesus in your life? Have you received him as your Lord and Savior? Have you allowed him to come into the boat of your life? Or would you like to today welcome him? In welcoming Jesus, you're welcoming 5,467 promises wrapped up in one promise. The promise of his son being our salvation. So I'd like to ask you to bow your heads wherever you are. For those who have already accepted him, this is a time to thank him again for the gift of salvation. And for those who haven't, this is a time for you to pause, think about life. And as the Spirit of God urges you and nudges you, will you open up your heart and receive the gift of salvation that Jesus is? Will you do that today? If you will, will you say this simple prayer with me? That is all it takes, a simple prayer. Will you say after me, Heavenly Father, today, I open my heart to your son, Jesus. I receive him into my life as my Lord and Savior. Help me, Heavenly Father, to live a life that is pleasing to you and to him. Help me to turn away from anything I have been doing that is not pleasing to you. I admit that I have not lived the kind of life that I know you would want me to live. But today, I make a commitment as I receive from your son Jesus my salvation. I declare that I am now a child of yours, a member of your family. And I thank you for being my father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you said that prayer and you meant it, trust me, God has taken you at, at, at your word. He has welcomed you now into his family in receiving Jesus. Believe me, he has opened the way for you to go on this journey into receiving the 5,467 promises that he has made to you. Now, I would like you to do one thing. If you said that prayer, I would like you to, there's a bar that is directly below the screen. I would like you now to press that bar. Uh, that's, that's, that's a token sign that you have committed yourself. You've said that prayer. Now, what's happening as you're pressing that bar, go and press that bar. Um, we're seeing the numbers that are tallying up, that are telling us the number of people who have joined the family of God. Go and press that bar if you said that prayer. 
And as you press that bar, uh, a form will come up. Please fill that form. It allows us to engage with you. It allows us to provide tools to help you on this journey uh, as you go on, start this journey into God's promises for you. Hallelujah. God bless you. Welcome to the family of God. Bless you. You know, today, with all the churches that are part of the Redeemed Christian Church of God, hundreds of thousands of churches, possibly all over the world, um, we have dedicated today as Thanksgiving Sunday. Now, why do we do that? We do that because we want to constantly remind ourselves that a heart of gratitude is precious to God, that in all things we must give God thanks. And so today, I want us to spend some time and say thank you to God. Yes, there's a pandemic. Uh, yes, we're in, we're in a lockdown. Yes, things are challenging. But you know what? God has been faithful. He has kept us. He has protected us. He has provided for us. For some of us, it has simply been miraculous, the provision. And yes, some of us have been afflicted by the COVID-19 virus, some people. Some are afflicted by other sicknesses or diseases. But you know what? He gives us hope. He gives us hope in his word that you will be healed. Uh, he says, this is the word, his promise. One of the promises of the 5,467 is that by his stripes, you were healed. Let's believe God for that. So there are many things to thank God for. And so I want you to spend some time now and just think about those things and start to thank God for them. That old song says, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what God has done. So why don't you start to count your blessings? You know, count the blessings of family, count the blessings of friends. Go on. Why don't we just start thanking him? Thank him for life itself. Thank him for the breath of life. That's such a precious thing. Thank him for his unfailing love. You've seen the manifestation of it. Thank him for his miraculous protection, the blood of Jesus upon your home, upon your loved ones. Why don't you thank him for his, his miraculous provision, how he has provided for you even at a time like this. And then there might be specific things which are not as general as this. Why don't you start to thank him for this? You may kneel down, you may stand up, you may lie prostrate in your home. It is your home. You can do exactly as you like. You can, I just want you to declare your thanksgiving to God. I want you to overflow with thanksgiving for God. God, why don't we just bless him, this amazing God, this God who is so full of compassion. Why don't you remember the specific things that he has done for you, the specific provision he has made, the specific things he has done in your family, the specific things he has done in your church. Go on, let's feel the atmosphere all around this city, all around this nation, the nations of the world. Let's fill the atmosphere with thanksgiving. Father, we are so grateful, O oh God. Words, O oh God, cannot convey our gratitude. Father, from the depths of our heart, 
We are grateful for what you have done. We thank you, Heavenly Father. We give you praise. We honor you. We lift your name high. We exalt you. We say you are worthy to be praised, worthy to be adored. We declare that there is no one like you for who is like unto our God. We declare that you are awesome and in majesty. You are glorious in holiness, Heavenly Father. Oh, we thank you. We thank you for that thing you did. We thank you, Father, for how you showed yourself mighty. We thank you, Father, for how you stepped in, how you intervened. Oh, we bless your holy name, O oh God. We thank you, Father, from the depths of our hearts. Go on, why don't you just thank him? Express it, kneel down, lie prostrate, lift your hands, shout your thanks. But go on, let's just express it. Father, we bless you. We worship you. King immortal, we bless you, O oh God. Thank you, Heavenly Father, from the bottom of our hearts. We bless you, O God. Oh, we thank you, O God. You are worthy, worthy of our praise, O God. We give you praise. We exalt you. We magnify your name, O God. We say thank you. As a family, we say thank you, O God. As a church family, we say thank you, O God. We thank you for this nation, Heavenly Father. Oh, we bless you, O God. Let the incense of our thanksgiving, O God, be acceptable to you. Father, we say thank you, O God. Thank you. You are worthy to be praised, worthy to be adored, worthy to be magnified, worthy to be glorified. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Be exalted, our Lord and King. We say thank you. Now, why don't you name those things one by one and just thank him for them. Go on. Name them one by one and just thank him. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Your daughter says thank you. Your son says thank you. Father, we bless you. We give you praise, O God. We exalt your holy name. We say thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, we have thanked you. Amen and amen. Now, you know, we were thanking him for the things that he has done that we know. Now, we want to thank him in a way that I know always touches God's heart. Because the Bible says in Hebrews 11 verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God, the Bible says, must believe that he is who he says he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, there's something about faith that touches God, something about trusting him. Now, we're going to thank him for the things that are not yet manifest in the physical sense, but the promises that you know that God made to you and he has done them. You haven't touched them, you can't see them, but God has done them. Now, why don't you start to thank him for that? Now, there isn't a physical healing. The doctors haven't confirmed it, but you know God says that by the stripes of his son, you have been healed. Thank him for that healing. You don't have it physically with you. You don't have a physical relationship with someone you're going to get married to, but you know God has spoken to you. Why don't you thank him for it? There are things that haven't been manifest yet, but God has spoken to you. A relationship that hasn't yet been healed, God has spoken to you. You. A door that hasn't yet been opened, but God spoke to you. Go on, by faith, why don't you begin to thank him? There's something about faith that triggers a response from heaven because we are saying to God, if we don't have it physically, but we trust you, you're not a man that you should lie. You're not the son of man that you should change your mind. If you said it, you will do it, heavenly father. Go on, why don't you thank him by faith? Go on, lift your voices. Father, we just thank you by faith. Oh, we thank you, heavenly father. We see things, oh God, by faith and we say thank you, oh God. We thank you, oh God. We bless you, oh God. By faith, O oh God, we thank you. We lift our voices, O oh God, as if we are holding it with our natural hands. 
And we say thank you, Heavenly Father, because the hands of faith, O oh God, have allowed us to hold it. The eyes of faith have allowed us to see. The ears of faith have allowed us to hear that it is done. Father, we say thank you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. Father, it doesn't end with this service. We continue to thank you and thank you and thank you and thank you by faith, O oh God. May this week be one where we are thanking you by faith. Heavenly Father, every single second we're saying thank you because you are faithful to do what you have purpose to do. Father, we bless you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. May your faith be the currency that purchases what God has promised to you because it is the currency of our kingdom. Something about faith, something about just trusting him touches God's heart. Trust him for what he has said and thank him for it. That is the evidence that we really do trust him because we are saying thank you for it. God bless you.